join us for episode 99 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we forge ahead with newfound vigor as we go to war with the mountain men. 99 red balloons floating oh, nice. in the summer skies. Yeah, remember that one? I do, indeed. Uh, Nana. And, and we'll uh, clear up the mountain men reference in a second. But, right, uh, it's nothing to do with Nana. No, <laughs> exactly. Just or, the, the, yeah, when you say the word 99, it just makes me... Break out in the song. Or Dark Angel, for that matter. Right. But tonight we continue our discussion of James Cameron's cyberpunk series, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba and Michael Weatherly, as we move through the second half of the season. And we'd love to hear from you via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com, the website, fatalist.podbean.com, where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab. You can also record your own audio clip, send the MP3 as an attachment, or just send us a tweet at sci-fi TV rewatch. And hopefully you'll consider joining the Facebook group, sci-fi TV rewatch podcast. And, you know, Wayne, it's starting to pick up a little bit. Yeah, uh, starting to jump a little bit. Not too bad for being in its, in its infancy. Right. And as we said last time, the great thing about a group is that everybody can do everything. So it's not just us that post. uh, (laughs) Anyway, so uh, take a look at that. We do have some news this week, some pretty big news that uh, I just found out about after I got home. So you may not even know that. No clue. Sci fi has finally announced the premiere date for Lost Girl. Oh, I did know that. I saw the, uh, the post. Okay, and it's going to be Friday, April 17th, 10 o'clock Eastern, and, you know, we'll go from there. So, you know, as we get closer, we'll remind the listeners, and I'll put out some some tweets about, uh, you know, maybe going back and check out our podcast from Lost Girl in Season 5. Yep, it's, it's all there. It is all there. Um, now, you know, we had mentioned last week we wanted to talk a little bit about the CW's show, The Hundred. But even before we get to that, you know, one of the things that did come out of the Facebook group was a suggestion that I, I, about a show I really didn't know anything about. And it's on WGN, which I'm not even sure exactly what network that is, although I do have it on DirecTV. But it's a show called Salem, which is beginning its second season. And what brought it to my attention is one of the listeners posted it on the Facebook group that Lucy Lawless is joining the cast for season two. So I'm guessing it's, I mean, it's certainly supernatural. I'm guessing it has something to do with witches, but I'm definitely going to check it out and I'll, I'll certainly uh, pass it on to you and we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll talk about it one week. Yeah. I remember when it premiered uh, season one and I remember thinking, Hey, that show looks pretty good, but also thinking, Hey, I'm watching a lot of shows as it is. So um, as compelling as this looks, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on it. Yeah. But now um, with Lucy Lawless though. Yeah. Right. So, uh, well, one thing I did want to bring up in the news this week was, you know, obviously our two main stars, Jessica Alba and Michael Weatherly, you know, what are they doing now? So tonight, Jessica Alba's current project, she's got a film that's been completed and it's called Dear Eleanor, which tells the story of two teenage girls that travel across the United States in 1962 during the chaos of the Cuban Missile Crisis and they're searching for Eleanor Roosevelt. I'm not, you know, again, it sounds pretty intriguing, but apparently she plays the aunt of, I assume, one of the two yeah, teenage same. girls. She's not still playing teenager roles. Right. She? No, 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 no. Now, she's also got three in post-production, uh, the action-adventure comedy Barely Lethal, uh, 2015 uh, release, teenage special ops agent coveting a normal adolescence fakes her own death and enrolls in a suburban high school. 
She quickly learns that surviving the treacherous waters of high school is more challenging than international espionage, and don't we know that's true? Yeah, that is true. We learned that from uh, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? Well, I was going to say we learned that in yeah, plus in daily life <laughs> in our day job, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, in 2015, a film called The Veil. Thirty years after members of a religious cult commit mass suicide, the lone survivor returns to the scene of the tragedy with a documentary crew in tow. Sounds kind of interesting. And then finally, uh, a 2016 release. It's called Mechanic Resurrection. Arthur Bishop thought he had put his murderous past behind him when his most formidable foe kidnaps the love of his life. Now he's forced to travel the globe to complete three impossible assassinations and do what he does best, make them look like accident. And then finally, and I'm not sure if this is a show you watch, uh, my wife got into it for about a year and a half, but Jessica Alba is going to be a guest judge on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, there's not a show that I have seen, but, and you have no idea what it is. Um, I know who RuPaul is. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll just, uh, leave it at that. So anyway, that's the news tonight. And like we've been saying, we wanted to talk a little bit about a hundred because I I really do think, and and again, I, I think I've even said it on this podcast here and, you know, you and I have certainly talked about it quite a bit, but I think it's the best show that people are not watching. Yeah. What kind of numbers do they pull down? Well, you know, they're in the un- under 2 million. Now it has been renewed for season 3. So, again, for the CW that the, those numbers aren't terrible, but they'd certainly like it to be a little higher. I mean, sure. it's not like supernatural numbers. But um you know, one of the things and we're not going to go into a lot of detail here, but if you don't know the show, it is a true post-apocalyptic show rather than I guess the plethora of what are really more dystopic than post-apocalyptic. So, so you see that it's, uh, you know, the, we've nuked ourselves on earth and it's uninhabitable. And what the, the last vestiges of mankind are surviving on a space station, uh, you know, not too unlike what we see in Battlestar Galactica, but although they're living in a little more comfort than yeah. they are on, and they got back uh, to earth a lot more quickly. Exactly. Now, uh, they've been up there 97 years and resources are starting to run thin. And one of the things that I do really like about it is it talks about and it deals with the ugly truths of survival and the fact that they have a lack of resources. And and what do you do? Well, what we find out is that they float people, which means they shoot them out the airlock and, and, you know, they try to do it in a fair manner. You know, people that have committed uh, serious crimes or but even uh, not so serious crimes i mean that's the thing like any minor infraction can get you but but i guess w- when they're on the space station you know minor things can have serious consequences because exactly all their resources are very limited and so you know like if you steal something that it's not it's not just stealing you're like you know you're threatening someone's life so you get floated Right, like when Finn sends, I uh, can't think of her name now, on that little spacewalk because he knew she would like, you know, she, that she would love it. Right. Uh, but like you said, it has serious consequences. And, and uh, you know, Octavia, you know, being a second child, that was right. a serious, serious crime. You know? Right. They just didn't have the resources. And so what we find is that after 97 years and they realize, look, we're running out of time. So they take 100 teenage criminals that are incarcerated and they just send them to earth let's see what happens 
and they're in communication with them. And if you really think about it, don't we all deep down kind of wish we could just do that? You know, <laughs> they get to be little petulant little 16, 17 year olds. Just put them on a ship and say, see a kid, good luck. Yep. But again, what I really like and again, look, obviously, if we've said many times, I mean, we work with teenagers on a daily basis. And, and for all the complaining we do, uh, I think we both really do enjoy it. I mean, we wouldn't do it if we didn't. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, one of the things that I really find fascinating here is that you see these children, and they are children. I mean, they're teenagers. They're 17, 18 at the oldest, and they're placed in this untenable situation, and they're forced to do the unspeakable. And they have to do it right away or they don't survive right and but part the the converse side of that is there you have complete freedom now there's no adults to tell them what to do they get to form their own society with their own rules and and uh when the adults do come back they're like dude you know you can't tell me what to do now like we we already got our own thing going here well right and that's the other thing i really like that that eventually the the adults run out of time themselves and and they come there and they immediately want to take over as if they know what's best and clearly they don't know what's best and it does take a while and that's one of the things i like about chancellor kane is that he goes from this real hard ass who who again is seemingly ruling by fear and intimidation at first but he's the one that first realizes among the adults that is that the kids know what they're doing maybe we should defer to them yeah, either that or he's got some kind of sneaky, underhanded motive, but yeah. Well, you know, I mean, of course we do think that, I mean, and, and that's, and again, we don't want to give all the plot away, and we do right. think that, um, and then finally, you know, as, as we realize that there are obviously survivors already living on Earth that, that for whatever reason were immune to the radiation, and so now, you know, we've got the different groups trying to survive, and, and again, without getting into the whole story with the mountain men, an alliance has to be formed between the grounders, you know, the people that were already there, and then, of course, the people from the ship, and who's in charge but two children, two, and in fact, two young women, Clark and Lexa. And it's just fascinating to me, the dynamic between the two of them as they each, you know, really connect with each other, but it's not, you know, it's not a smooth connection, but, but they really do know what each is going through. And, and again, they're just forced to make decisions that no child should have to make. Right. But also realizing that with, you know, leadership with the crown comes the responsibility of making the tough calls, uh, leaving yourself open to questioning by other people who don't agree with the calls you make, but still realizing that like part of being a leader is not always doing what is popular, what everyone would like you to do, but what has to be done. And, uh, you know, Clark learns that lesson. She's still trying, struggling with understanding that, but she finds some consolation in, in her fellow leader there though. So, yeah. And obviously Lexa has known that for a long time and does try to impart it to, to Clark, but but again, it's just you know it, it's like the kids, you know Lexa, despite the fact that members of her group don't want to form an alliance, they just want to kill them all. You know she has the foresight to see that no, we are going to need them uh, if we are going to survive and have a better life. And you know now that they're being shown that you know what there can be a better life, it doesn't have to just always be about a struggle to survive on a day-to-day basis. So I guess we could leave it at that, unless you want to say something else well, about it. you don't it. want to talk about the kiss? Seriously? 
Well, 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 you know, hey, watch the show, and you, you know, there, there, you said it. So if they want to find out what uh, what that's all about, they can. Yeah, like almost two seasons to get through, but but it's, no, I guess, kind of worth it. It's a really yeah. good show. Yeah, it really is. So, uh, all right. Well, anyway, uh, Dark Angel, season one, episode fifteen, entitled uh, "Female forgot. Trouble." Yeah, aired on March thirteenth, two thousand one, and it was written by Patrick Harbinson, who wrote episode two, Heat and episode seven, Prodigy, or at least he did the teleplay for uh, Prodigy. And then it was directed by John Kretschmer. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, wait a minute, where do I know that name? And as I've, I've said many times, my wife and I are, uh, we're now in season two of Veronica Mars, which is a non-genre show starring Kristen Bell. But uh, nonetheless, he's directed that. But he's also done Buffy, Angel, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager. So, you know, he's got a lot of credits out there. He's out there in the biz. I like this episode, but I didn't love it. Okay. What about you? Um, I mean, it was, I don't know. If, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty good. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, if we, you know, we don't regularly assign numbers. I mean, I'd certainly give it no lower than a seven, you know, maybe a seven five. And I think most of the episodes for me, have been 8.5, 9. Yeah, it probably wasn't quite as good as like the last couple have been. But I do like the fact that we're, you know, we're getting to see more and more of the other X-5s. So, you know, in this opening scene, Max shows up at Logan's and she's got tickets to the Kyoto Lakers game that they were supposedly going to attend together that night. And, you know, again, we've talked about, you know, is all of the world collapsed well i'm guessing japan's doing fine because they can you know i i guess kyoto now has an nba franchise well, yeah, and, and the lakers relocated to kyoto so oh i thought the kyoto is who the lakers were playing no the kyoto the lakers yeah no they're I, well th- that's possible but i i took it as the kyoto lakers as in not the la lakers oh anymore. you're right you're but right because the they're in seattle they're playing the Su- supersonics ah, yeah, yeah exactly right they wouldn't be watching any so so it's funny then that the uh the lakers uh relocate but still no one wants to buy the sonics there you go and that the uh, la has lost their nfl team and now they've lost their nba team maybe they still have the clippers but anyway uh we see bling and he's doing something on the computer i don't know what uh, he does note that Logan's been acting weird lately, doesn't know where he's gone. And, uh, you know, obviously Max is a bit upset that he's not there. And, and this is not the first time he's done something like this. So, you know, she gives the tickets to Bling and then notices that there's a space on the wall where a painting used to hang and turns out that Logan sold it. Yeah. And we know what's going on with Logan. She still doesn't quite get that. You know, he's having this whole kind of reaction because of the, you know, his body relapsing, uh, which which we know about. Well, right. And, you know, she's told him that it doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, obviously telling somebody that and having them believe it and, and maybe even having yourself believe it. Right. Because that, that's part of this whole thing, which kind of like maybe I didn't quite enjoy this. As, I mean, I, I liked it. I don't mean to make it sound like but what i didn't like about this episode is this whole thing with logan i mean i just found him to be a stronger person than he's showing here and i know something like you know being able to walk again and now all of a sudden realize you're losing again can be very upsetting but the degree to which he takes it and 
the idea of, you know, like, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessarily consistent with the character that he would be close to suicide, you know, over something like that. It seems like he's someone who's has, you know, not that suicide's weak, but someone who is has a, a, a greater sense of his importance to the larger world, you know. I, I don't well, right. Well, no, no, I agree with you. And I mean, not that, you know, uh, we're psychologists or anything, but I think, again, part of what I know is that that people that do contemplate suicide is that they feel they have no other options. And and I, I think, I, I, certainly, I think what you were getting at, and I agree, is that, that that's not him. I mean, that he always is able to see the big picture on things. And right. he certainly, uh, you know, I think, understands his value to society in the big picture. So why can't he see his value here? even if he never regains use of his legs. Exactly. And yeah. you know, back before, when he first couldn't walk, we didn't see him suicidal, you know? So why would he be now, I guess? Is, well, is, is, I guess the wild card is Max, and, you know, they're developing relationship. But we learned pretty early on why he sold it, that he's in some dark alley in Chinatown where he's got an appointment with this uh, woman doctor gives her $10,000. And, and again, it's, it's hard for us to have a handle on, I mean, obviously it's a lot of money now and it's probably a lot of money then, but, but clearly money's not an issue with him. Uh, he's told that all future appointments are going to be $5,000 and he's okay, fine, whatever. I got plenty Uh, more paintings, I guess. Yep. And, and, And we do see he's walking with a cane. So he, you know, he is getting around, but you know, as you said, he has been regressing. She knows why he's there. Uh, and she knows about the stem cells because she obviously looked at his blood work, doesn't want to know where he got them, presumes he bought them. But you wonder, you know, obviously, once we learn that that she's with or was with Manticore, whether that's certainly something she even considered. Yeah. So and I said this to you before that the doctor looked familiar. <clears throat> and I'm not sure if this is what I think was thinking of when I saw her. But do you know, I know we've seen her before in something. Did you look in IMDb? I, I didn't know. So she was actually in an episode of Dollhouse. So do you remember the episode where the, the rich lady dies and she's like friends with the lady who runs the dollhouse? And, no. And so Echo gets put into, or has the, her, her old friend's personality put into her and she goes to this big mansion and like the uncle and the, the you know, her whole family is there. She was married to this much younger guy. She was in there riding horses, like the horses were. You don't remember that episode? Oh, I do remember. Yeah, and there was something about one of the sons discovered that you know discovered something. But yeah, well, I'll tell you. Yeah. If if nothing else, it tells me I need a rewatch of right. Dollhouse. But, uh, but anyway, so she was the the friend who who gets killed. Oh, okay. But we see her just at the beginning, like riding a horse or something like that. But okay. Anyway. Well, you know what we do find out in this opening scene is what's happening with him and she tells him that his autoimmune system is kicking in against the stem cells and he just tells her do whatever it takes to get me on my feet and obviously then you know the the main story of this episode you know deals with logan and and the doctor and then also max dealing with with the relationship she's having with logan and uh, you know it's it's really difficult to watch max in distress over Logan's thoughtfulness, you know, because again, you, you know, all the things she's had to learn to cope with, this is not one of them. Right. And I mean, that's another thing that kind of is perplexing to me 
is that I know he's a proud man, but why doesn't he just tell Max? Why doesn't he confide in her? You know, um, in the short time they've known each other, they've it seems like they've gotten very close and that they can trust one another implicitly. You know, why is he, you know, being like such a bitch around her and and not telling her what's going on? You know, just being irksome and and grumpy all the time. Yeah, and and of, and making her go through, I guess, what any typical nineteen or twenty year old young woman faces. You know, she's pacing around the apartment, calls him, but he he doesn't pick up. And despite Cindy's opinion to the contrary, Max does not think that Logan's cheating on her, right? And, and fears something must be wrong. Me and him aren't like that, but of course, obviously, for a long time now, Cindy's not buying it. Right. I'm not sure we believe her. I think that is her fear that he is seeing someone else, which I guess in her mind probably even makes it worse because you're telling me it's the the not being able to walk, or at least she's able to glean that. But yeah, I'm just I'm not sure that she's concerned that he is romantically involved with someone else. I, yeah, I think she's just overall concerned. Like there's something. There's obviously something going on with Logan. I don't know what it is, but you know, usually the things that Logan is involved with are dangerous. So he's probably it's potentially something dangerous. And I don't know where he is, and he's not answering his phone, so I'm worried. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I like the fact that she's not going to just sit back. She's not going to take no for the final answer. She bikes over to his place, runs into him as he's leaving the building, and and even says, "Hey, you know, how about an apology?" And and some lunch, and he ditches her again. I don't know. At that yeah. point, I'm I'm just well. That's you know, what I'm just saying. This whole way he's it just it doesn't. It's I mean it's it's not nice. And I know he's going through a thing. It just it's it seems like those two have developed such a trust to one another, and for him to not now trust her enough to confide in her seems I don't know. I just I didn't think that was consistent. Yeah. Well, well, the other common thread is that they're really both dealing with anger issues. Obviously, Logan. You know, anger over the fact that he can't walk, and and Max's anger resurfaces after she realizes that the doctor that's helping him experimented on her and the other kids at Manticore. Right. So now she's got that, and you know, while on the one hand she probably instinctively knows that she might be able to help Logan, it's difficult to let go of that. You know, yeah, difficult is kind of a uh, modest way of putting it. Uh, someone who ran experiments on you and did all kinds of horrible things when you were a kid. Yeah, that doesn't easily uh, leave your, your memory. Yeah, and I don't think any of us are surprised when Max follows him when he goes for his first treatment and then after Logan and the doc leave, Max breaks in to try to find out what's going on and what I'm thinking, and I, I guess by what you said a minute ago, you you disagree. She needs to know he's not cheating on her. I think you're probably right, but it's probably maybe even a combination Wait, of both. Again? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Like as she said, you know, like you know, you just forgot to tell me the bride of Mengele is right here in Seattle. You know, it's just, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Um, that that very deep level of, of intensity of hatred there that she has. And um, you know, I, like I said, I think it's her really very grave concern for just uh, Logan's well-being. And, you know, selling the painting is also, uh, you know, something that's kind of front and center with her because, it, look, if he was just seeing another woman, he wouldn't probably need to sell the painting. So that, you know, the, the fact that that painting brought so much money, I think worries her that there is something serious going on. So... You know, but she sees the setup and immediately flashes back to Manticore. It's been a while since we had a flashback, I think. 
Um, did we not have one? Yeah, I think it has been a while. I don't recall the, um, there being one in a while. So yeah, but this right. is a good one. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, and because, you know, when we get to, uh, you know, w- once we see the, you know, the other X5 kid that we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, it, 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 we do get a lot more backstory about that night of the escape. Right. But, Did you think but, Dr. Virtus took like awkward pauses as she was speaking? Um, well, yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure she recognized Max and I, I, I mean, I would certainly think so. It's, you know wondering whether her cover is going to be blown and and suddenly you know there's this drive-by shoot up the doc goes running and max finds herself face to face with jace one of the x5 kids right and you can see that recognition in each of them and then that's when we get the backstory and that on that night jace yeah i don't want to say chickened out that that's clearly not fair but she just I guess got frightened and decided to stay behind and we see her, you know, then of course she gets reprogrammed and that was a pretty frightening scene uh, as they reprogrammed her. Uh, and we assume the others to see Max and the other, you know, the 12 escapees as the enemy. Right. Which is funny how she calls you know, Max a traitor and all these things like saying how, you know, Max is the one who is flawed or weak or something when, you know, Jace is the one who was, didn't have the courage to leave. Right. But, but yeah, she's been reprogrammed. So, of course, you know, she's not going to be reprogrammed to admire Max. She's going to you know, be reprogrammed to want to kill her. Right. And it's, you know, it's an interesting dilemma because they're being trained as soldiers. And we find out in this episode that the X-Fives were actually being trained, uh, you know, as leaders as officer types so that what happened was you know jace probably her reluctance to escape was born in her uh, desire to follow orders which is what she was designed to do so you know in a sense she was the one that was not flawed at least in terms of the genetic engineering sure But, you know, obviously it turns out Virtus was at Manticore and Max confronts Logan about her and and expresses some concern about her. Max responds, well, thanks to moi, your transgenic guardian angel, she's fine, referring to the doctor, because obviously Logan's freaked out that his treatments might come to an end if something happens to the doc. We find out she'd been recruited out of Johns Hopkins and had worked on the X3s through the X7s. And, you know, you, you already mentioned Max's uh, mention of uh, Dr. Mengelev, and, you know, she freely admits to having conducted experiments on children, and we find out that she, you know, broke the limbs to study regeneration and just uh, really just gruesome stuff. Yeah, that's just, there's, there's no justification for that. You know, she tries to justify, but there really is just none. We mentioned, you know, Jace already, and, and, and our first look at her is we see this unseen person assembling some sort of, which we assume is a sniper rifle. We've certainly seen this scene innumerable times in, sure. in all sorts of shows. And we see a photo of the doctor. Well, it turns out, obviously, that it's Jace, and she's been sent to kill Dr. Virtus because Manticore authorities worry that she'll sell secrets abroad. So, you know, that now we know why Well, Jace it's apparent is, they're just wiping out Manticore doctors just in general, right? What right. They say, like a dozen have died in the last year. Right. And, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing about this episode. And it's 
not the first time we've seen it, but you know, not only do we have that that conflict between Lydecker and Max and and the other X Fives, but it's between Lydecker and the people above him. So that you know, how much do we really want to destroy? Yeah. Oh, what my question is: How on earth does Manicor get anyone to work for them? You know. Well, yeah. Like good point. Yeah. You know, there's got to be something out there, like on the internet, like you know, hey. You know, if you work for Manicore, good chance you're going to die. So don't. <laughs> they got a really crappy retirement package. They have good dental. Uh, <laughs> right. Now, you know, Jace attacks Max at the doctor's office. And then, and we're wondering how that's going to work out. Max punches her in the side and all of a sudden she goes down. Yeah. And, and Max, you know, mentions that, well, X5s don't go down without a fight. And we learn pretty quickly that she's pregnant. Right. And I, I mean, certainly, you know, we do find out who the father is and we find out a little bit about whether or not they were actually even designed to be able to get pregnant. And, and we find out that the males were, were basically sterile, right? I mean, that right. was the, that was the way I heard it. Right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. But it turns out that she got pregnant by one of the employees at Manticore, one of the guards. You know, you started thinking, you know, obviously Orphan Black is kind of going down that same road as we find out that there are also male clones. And, you know, but we don't know yet there whether there was any thought to having the male clones get together with the female clones. But but clearly that's not the case here in Manticore. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, a lab tech that... Uh... Right. Ended up uh, enjoying the favors of Jace here, apparently. But uh, I like to say when you know how it happened, she said in an unusual way. I'm like, oh, there's all kinds of pictures going through my head there. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, it, it's funny because as in one room, Logan's continuing his treatments, and in the other room, Jace is recovering, and you know, Max is telling her, and 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 this is really you know the two of them really opening up to each other that. Max, no, she doesn't regret leaving. She has freedom. And, you know, that line, you're more than just a soldier. You're a human being with free will. And obviously it takes Jace a while to have that sink in, but but clearly it, it eventually does. And I think the reality that, as Max tells her, do you think they're going to let you keep your baby? Yeah, and I mean, this whole trusting Jace thing to me is like – completely loco you know you mean on max's on part max's or part yeah and she like undoes the restraints and everything i mean i, I granted she came in with the hard pitch here and um you know she's demonstrating to jace that she's trustworthy and that she trusts jace but you know i mean that's crazy this is a person who's been conditioned for years and you know this to you know kill and in particular kill you and uh, just because she says, oh, well, geez, maybe you're right, then you're going to let her free? Like, really? Well, really? yeah, but you, you you wonder, at that point, Jace knows she's pregnant, right? So you wonder, she's already taken one blow to the abdomen. You know, maybe, you know, Max is just thinking, look, she, she doesn't want to get hit again. She does care about the baby. But still, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite ready to trust that quickly. Yeah. Well, what we find out, that uh, Lydecker and the doc know each other. She calls him to try to bargain for her life because obviously somebody's already tried to kill her once, even though they were intimate in the past. She calls him Deck. 
Yes. And he tells her, you know what? The orders have come down from the top and there's nothing he can do. Clearly there is something. She offers up the pregnant Jace and we find out Lydecker didn't know she was pregnant and one of the escaped X-5s from 2009. You just bought yourself a whole lot of birthdays, which may be the worst piece of dialogue (laughs) in the entire first season so far. But I was like, did he mean like other people's birthdays? Because he's going to kill her. In well, a couple hours. So, well, like, you know what? That's what I'm any thinking. Birthdays it's, you can find between now and the next four hours are all yours. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that was my first reaction, and I thought, well, you know, maybe he will keep her alive. That that you know, perhaps she'll you know draw other X fives to her, the way Max was drawn to her, and Jace was. I mean, obviously, Jace was drawn to her because he sent her there. But now, Max tells Logan that Jace has decided to switch teams since being pregnant limits her manticore options. But, you know, I guess my question is, does it? Uh, uh, but I, I think it, it probably does. And, 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 you know, Max does get that point across, like we said, that they're certainly not going to let her keep the baby. Uh, are they going to experiment on the baby? Yeah, I think probably, most certainly they yeah. would. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. I was a little surprised that the, that the doc turned in Jace after Lydecker berated her for not carrying out her mission. Um, and, and then he just shoots the doctor. Now that wasn't hard. Was it? Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, she spends all this time hiding from Manticore and trying to stay out of the, you know, their glare or whatever, out of, the, out of their, you know, field of vision. And, uh, you know, like basically the first chance she gets, she tries to cut a deal. I, know, I guess she probably just realized that they had gotten, too close and that they probably knew where she was and or they, i mean they t- obviously totally knew where she was but that you know there was nowhere she could run at this point so she's just kind of desperately trying to make any kind of deal but you know like well right she knows who she's dealing with right exactly and, you know and, and but you know is lydicker going against his orders by keeping the x5s alive i mean what is his end game you know does he want to round them up i mean if he gets max i don't think he's just going to kill her What's he going to do? It's, well, yeah, I mean, well, his constant refusal to order deadly force indicates that, yeah, he definitely doesn't want her dead. Yeah, and, and Which, again, I, he's, he's, he's so her dad. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of the, and we've mentioned it before, and, and, and we don't know whether it'll happen in se- at the end of season one or in season two or if it, you know, maybe happens at all. But I, I just feel like at some point, they're going to have to work together, Max, the X-Fives, and Lydecker against the people above Lydecker. Well, they've just, already worked together, right? Well, well, they have, yeah, to a certain degree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, so, yeah, certainly will, will happen again. Right. So at this point, we think that Jace sold Max out, and Max is approaching the building. Jace signals her to escape and evade, and then just walks out on her own, ignoring Lydecker's orders to the contrary. You know, again, there have been some great motorcycle scenes in this show, for sure. Her motorcycle flies over Lydecker. Yeah. Does she give the uh, District 13 liberation signal as she's flying by? I, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what that is. Is that is yeah. that some kind of euphemism for the finger? No, no that's from uh, the Hunger Games, you know? the. Oh, whole, oh, right, 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 right. You know, she yeah, does yeah, something yeah, yeah. Uh, that certainly I think she just like kind of does like a little salute type thing. Okay. You know? But as she's uh, going over in slow motion, which, you know, probably like in real life, like you would never catch that, you know, like okay. you don't have well, all that time. 
Yeah, right. Life doesn't now, go in slow-mo. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Now, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, and, and it kind of comes up now that Logan is really despondent, especially after Max gives him the news that the doc is dead. And, you know, Max goes back to the office to get his file, drops it on the floor, and and, and you can see it. And I, I love the way they film that because, it, you know, it's just like all these just quick snippets and we're catching a word here, two words there, but we clearly see the words suicide and suicidal. And right. now, obviously, she's really concerned. And, and obviously, it cuts back to him pulling out the gun, the box of bullets, you know, loading it. And, wow, I'm just telling you, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the scene where he's getting the 9 millimeter ready. Yeah, I mean, you knew. Like, you well, know, uh, obviously, we know. Time, but, you know but, yeah, right, it was right. a dramatic moment. Um, I, I, I feel bad, like, kind of taking a step back. But there is just one thing I wanted to mention about Lydecker. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I... I Try to get you moved on before I had a chance to get in there. But, um, you know, he, when uh, she's flying over him with the motorcycle, he reaches for the gun, but he doesn't pull it out. You, you know, mean so, his own gun? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, right. Right. Which, well, well, I think that just reinforces the idea he doesn't want them dead. Right. But what does he want? Right. We don't know. Yeah. So, uh, what, it, you, what you what you want? What you want? Yeah. So, um, Max is speeding to his rescue, yes. uh, and before he can put the gun to his head, this water drips onto his keyboard from the ceiling, and we'd already seen his neighbor, Mrs. Moreno, once before, but she's fallen in her bathroom while running water. Uh, Logan calls 911, and then she says so poignantly that it might be better if she died, which presumably snaps him out of his funk. Right, because he tells her that's he tells her that's ridiculous you know and he's like oh well if it's ridiculous for her then well right and then she tells him well you're young you have everything to live for right so i mean she might as well have just slapped him yeah well sometimes you just need a little thing called perspective and to you know make you see things properly as we said it that i mean that was my big complaint at the beginning why would someone who is as analytical and you know as always can kind of see the bigger picture why is the person like that so quick to give in to despair? Right. Yeah. Right. But he, yeah, she basically slaps him out of it. He does kind of see, oh, okay. Yeah. That, yep. you know, the, I, I do have, there are a lot of things going for me. It's not all bad. There are some things to live for. Right. And, and, you know, again, we know, look, I mean, it's, he's the star of the show. We know he's not going to kill himself, but you know, she arrives, she sees the ambulance panics, screaming for him sees the gun on the desk and then he returns and she runs to embrace him he you know returns it uh but doesn't really say anything about the gun and she doesn't really say anything either you know just leave it unspoken but the way she embraced him i mean if that didn't help him at least come a little bit out of that despondency then again i'm not sure what will yeah if that's not gonna do it what will right yep um so then we get the final scenes. Uh, Max and Jace are at uh, South Market. Max is setting her up with the documents that that obviously Logan arranged, and she's going to escape to Mexico. And I'm thinking, well, why not Canada? Yeah, that was the go-to place before. But basically what we're seeing here is there's absolutely no extradition laws anywhere in North America at this time. You know? Well, right, and you wonder exactly. Obviously they're getting networks back online, 
uh, clearly it's it's a far cry from what it was when the pulse bomb went off. But but yeah, I mean, look, obviously they they do have uh, computer networks, but I, just from the sheer uh, distance factor, I mean, yeah, but, I don't know. Mexico was I, I I found that unusual too because Canada would always been the you know, the, yeah. the haven of safety before. Right, right. And you can say, hey, there's actually, kind of get a little X5 community going up there if you want to stop by. So She asks Max to find the father, Victor, and tells Max that whether it's a girl or a boy, the name's going to be Max. And she was really touched. Uh, not that I was surprised, but right. yeah, I think really meaningful. That's still sweet of her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then in the, the final voiceover, she you know, posits that Jace is going to be okay, as will Logan, but she's starting to question whether or not he really wants her in his life. And that's just really sad because, you know, he does, he just can't say it. And, and you know, it's funny, all, you know, it's bombarding me everywhere I go, uh, you know, in Shakespeare's comedy it's really a dark comedy much ado about nothing it's the same thing beatrice and benedict it's just like they just sit there and snipe at each other and it's like because they love each other and they built these walls around themselves and they're afraid to be hurt and and then you even see uh with castle castle and beckett the same thing it, it, it's ah yeah it's mad it's maddening and, well what all of these things sam and diane you know all yes. these things what's the uniting factor eventually they knock boots so. Well, yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, anyway, oh. I'd, I'd like to say it's a little deeper than just that. But uh. <laughs> now she realizes that eleven years ago tonight was the escape from Manticore. Or, uh, we're in two thousand twenty, and she pops open a bottle of champagne. Donald, Le- <laughs> Donald Leidecker, wherever you are, you can kiss my genetically engineered ass, <laughs> kids. Happy anniversary. Yeah. A baby named after me. That is awesome. Yeah. And, which is, you know, a lot more positive than her usual kind of mopey, you know, ruminations up on the space needle. Right. And I know you're not a big fan of the voiceover anyway. Yeah. No, it's, it's not so bad at the end there, but yeah, not crazy bad. But yeah, how else are they going to get the information across, right? Except through a voiceover. Yeah, and it's, you know, I guess at this point we've kind of come to expect it. and Right, and, yeah. and I think, I can't remember someone early on, way back when, had pointed out that it's like part of the show, right? Yeah. I mean, like the voiceover is, is a kind of uh, part of the narrative structure of each episode. So I I, I'm, I find it absolutely acceptable. Yeah. i got no yeah, problems. Me, yep, me too. So uh, anything else about this one? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. So, you know, good episode, you know, like I said, solid B, um, you know, amidst a lot of A's and A minuses, which, you know, they can't all be zingers. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was still, yeah, it was solid. Maybe not as, as solid as the you know, past couple ones have been, but. Right. But, still, it, but it did move the arc. Move the ball forward. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So, in, and, in a couple, and the, the relationship with, uh. Logan and Max, you know, moving forward slightly a little bit there. Well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you about Dark Angel or anything else you think we should be watching. We'd also like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Uh, You know, everybody's got the power to invite somebody. It doesn't have to be Wayne or me. Uh, Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the 
Fatalist website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Dark Angel Season 1, Episode 16, titled Haven. But until then... Dave, whatever you do, never underestimate the thoughtlessness and insensitivity of the three-legged gender.